stand together and let's worship and praise the one we are here for, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy of our praise this morning. Let's lift our voices to him this morning. I stand.
so much. You may be what a great truth that is. How great and immense is our sin, but how much more marvelous is our Savior's love for us. Grateful for his saving grace. And the pool today is a way to demonstrate that great grace and mercy that has been extended to us in Christ. For Christ took our sin upon himself and died with it there, was buried, and on the third day was raised again. And the water is a representation of that. In just a moment, Madison and Mallory, her sister, are going to be lowered into this water, signifying their spiritual death with Christ on the cross. And their dad is going to raise them back up out of that water, signifying the new life and the resurrection that Jesus has shared with them, so that they might walk forever in a new way by faith. I'm going to ask you a question as we ask everybody, who is your Lord? Jesus. Amen. And upon that profession of faith, Madison, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Mallory's coming as well to just signify to you in a public way that Christ is her Lord. So I'll let you make that proclamation. Who is your Lord? And upon that faith, your dad and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is there anything better than seeing someone come from death to life and seeing them then proclaim that Jesus is Lord? Man, that's exciting. Now listen, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't get out much in front of people other than students. Um... But I just want to say, first of all, my name is Matt Fike, and this is Taylor Hansman, and we are kind of leading. We, 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 we don't kind of lead, we do. We, we lead the student <laughs> ministry here. And to be honest with you, we have the privilege of leading an awesome team of godly adults who work with just a passionate heart every single Wednesday and Sunday um, just to pour into students, middle school and high school. And it's our joy and our delight to get to see students like Mallory and Madison say Jesus is Lord what's even more exciting and you're like hold up what when we see students come to faith in Christ and then those students and really not just students all of us as disciples say Lord I want to make you known and make more disciples that's the joy of God's grand plan for the growth of his church so anyway, we're excited. I'm going to stop talking. Turn it over to Taylor. <laughs> so the Lord is definitely at work in the lives of students at Meadowbrook, and we are so excited to be a part of what he's doing. Um, so I would really encourage you, if you have a student or you are a student and you have yet to plug into our ministry we would love for you to be a part of, of what God is doing and, and get to experience the love and joy of following him. And we would love to be able to walk alongside you in that journey. So if you have yet to plug in, we would encourage you to come. Next hour, we have our life group. Um, you can come find me or Matt somewhere out in the atrium or guest connections area out there. And we would love to walk with you up there and get to introduce you to some of our other students and leaders. Yeah. Let's pray. <laughs> God, there is nothing that compares to you. The way you can transform a life 
God, you deserve all glory and praise. The fact that every step that we take is because you say step, and every breath that we take is because you say life. God, there's no one that compares to your power. And that every single star that is in the universe, of which we truly do not know all of those, you know everyone by name when they have life and when they die. So God, we come before you this morning as those who are fully unworthy and not even close to the category of what it means for you to be God. We are far from you. And we are so grateful that you allow us to have a relationship with you. Let this time truly be a time that, God, we sing praises to the God who is like no other. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together this God who is so great. in the dark a song that lights up the stars one breath that gives life one sovereign in power who speaks with thunder and fire one Lord one King there is no other that can compare to you. You are the one alone in greatness. The one who never changes. Jesus, you
Lost in utter 
hid everything behind me and found the God who makes all things new. I look to you, drowning in my questions, and found the God who holds all wisdom. And I trusted you and stepped out on the ocean. You caught my hand among the waves. You're the God of all my days. Each step I take, you make a way. I will give you all my praise. My seasons change. You stay the same. You're the God of all my days. I ran from you. I wandered in the shadows and found the God who relentlessly pursues. I hid from you, haunted by my failure. at my weakness and found the God the lifter of my head and I worship you and felt you right beside me you're the reason that I see you're the God of all my days each
privilege. God, you are my freedom all my days. Amen. Thank you so much, Keith and my bride, my Valentine Kay, right there. I was telling them backstage, I'm grateful that her birthday is January the 23rd because they already have the Valentine cards out then and I can buy two for one. <laughs> so I'm ahead of the game. Uh, but all of you who are not ahead of the game, you better get after it. <laughs> you have one more day. All right, we're in Hebrews chapter 11 today. We're working through a little mini-series on the legendary faith that is demonstrated by Moses, and it's really a challenge for us. I'm grateful that God's Spirit is teaching us in such depth during this time. A number of you are guests today, and what an honor that you have chosen to come here and be right among the faith family of Meadowbrook. Thank you for that privilege of being able to worship Christ alongside of you, and I'd love to be able to meet you if I haven't done so. Kay and I will be out at Cafe 59 the little coffee cafe right outside to my left. As you're leaving, it'll be on your left as well. So just stop by and let's just be introduced together. And I would be encouraged by that time. The writer of Hebrews has ordered chapter 11 to illustrate very well what saving faith is like. In fact, the chapter gives us many encouragement uh, examples about people who are deeply entrenched in saving faith. Their structure of the chapter helps us to identify what real saving faith looks like. And I don't have time to really dive into it, but it's basically in three segments in chapter 11, and each of the three segments are introduced by three different people. For instance, Abel, in his faith, recognized that there was lostness and sin that needed to be cleansed by blood, the shedding of blood. And of course, that shedding of blood would ultimately be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Abraham helps us to recognize God's call and faith to submit our will in obedience to the will of the Father. And Abraham left everything in order to pursue the will of God and the command of God that had been given to him. And the third section in which we're talking about right now is Moses. In chapter 11, verse 24, we know that saving faith moves us to repent of sin and renounce everything that is contrary to God and his word. All three of those aspects of saving faith are evident throughout chapter 11. And what the writer is helping us to discover is here's what real saving faith looks like. It looks like people who are cleansed by the shedding of blood of Christ Jesus. It looks like people who renounce their own will and go to the will of God in obedience and who are willing and do repent of their ways and anything that is contrary in their life to that which is of God or that which is of the word of God. All three of those are essential components of faith, cleansing, submission, and repentance. Now, the modern way of communicating the gospel really highlights the beginning of that, really highlights the cleansing work of Christ Jesus, that Christ cleanses of sin. And the modern way of communicating the gospel, at least in the West, is to push that and disregard 
the whole notion of following after the will of God and being obedient to him and surrendering of all things that are contrary to him really doesn't communicate strongly enough the repentance that is required for one who has faith in God in Christ Jesus. But saving faith is far more than just believing in God and accepting Christ. It includes rejecting everything that is opposed to God and his word and submitting our will to the will of the Father. And if we highlight any of those above all three of those, then we do so with grave consequences. I want us to be a people who understand the fullness of the gospel and who move towards that fullness that God has established for us in Christ Jesus. Now, living unto God is a challenge while we're living in the world. And it certainly requires deep and persistent faith. And I'm just going to lay that out here again this week. You and I cannot come up with the faith that is required for that. It has to come from God as a gift. And so what we're asking during this little series is, God, would you give us the faith and help us by your spirit to appropriate the faith with genuine belief? And I believe with all my heart that God will do that, that God will cleanse you of your sin and mine, that God would help us to be submissive to his will over ours, and that God would help us to be repentant and walk in repentance in faith now such faith is forsaking the cravings of our flesh and the beckoning of the world because we're confident that Christ has called us to righteousness and confident that he will empower us to live righteously with his spirit and confident that Christ himself will reward us for that kind of a faithful obedient life Moses is an example of that He's an example of one who is genuinely saved and the expressions of his salvation are evident just as I disclosed to you a moment ago. So let's dial into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I want us to remember three words in that passage. The first is refusing, the second is choosing, and the third is looking. All three of those are in that text. Choosing, looking, uh, choosing, uh, excuse me refusing choosing and looking so let's just take those and, and sort of talk about those more deeply uh, for the next 20 minutes or so first of all people who are saved they refuse the fleeting pleasures of sin this is what Moses was demonstrating in his saving faith he was refusing the fleeting the very temporary pleasures of sin by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that's a remarkable verse. When he grew up, when he was older, in fact, 40 years old, he refused at that point to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that's a royal title. 
Um, maybe the closest we can get to it in today's term would be he's the, he's the Duke of York. He has a title, and with that title comes a lot of prestige and a lot of wealth and a lot of power, a lot of popularity. But at this point in his life, 40 years old, he's refusing that title. He's refusing to live in that way. And that decision was obviously going to be an affront to Pharaoh, and it was going to insult his mother that had adopted him, brought him into Pharaoh's house. And such a decision is going to come at pretty high cost, isn't it? But he did it because his position was standing in the way of him walking in God's covenant and walking in obedience to Christ and a walk in, in this call of Christ with a good conscience. And so he was willing to walk away from one thing, being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, in order to treasure God's covenant, God's call, and God's commission in his life. He, he's going to walk away from one in order to have the other. So in, in this, we recognize as an adult, he's refusing all the privileges that go with the title of being in Pharaoh's household. And that decision is going to cost him. But saved people will refuse the fleeting pleasures of sin. I really need that to settle into us. Saved people live differently. We refuse the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is the call of Christ. If you're going to be with me, if you're going to have faith in me, if you're going to journey with me, if you're going to have life in me, then you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I've been very encouraged this past week reading Arthur Pink, who's a great commentator of about 70 years ago, and he had great insights to this passage. And as I was just reading through his commentary uh, in this section, uh, I was encouraged because what Christ is calling us to that Pink is elevating before us is he's calling us to deny these innate pleasures of our flesh and drive into the pleasures of Christ. What are these innate pleasures that we seek? Every person seeks three and Jesus in Matthew 16 goes on a little further to explain what those three are. First of all, he says we have a desire for life we have a desire for wealth, and we have a desire for honor. Every one of us has a desire for life, that life would be around us, as if life is circling around us. We have a pretty self-centered drive in our flesh. Uh, we want all things us, and we want all things money and possession and wealth. We want all those things, and the world really does... Uh, bring those before us in such an attractive way and we have an all things want to be honored we want people to like us we want to be popular we want people to think well of us and those are three innate pleasures that our flesh is hungry for life about us wealth and prosperity and honor Jesus says if you're going to come after me you're going to have to deny yourself in those ways 
So in verse 24, he says that outright. If you're going to follow after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And then in verse 25, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In other words, you're going to have to deny you being number one and you're going to have to elevate me as number one in your life. And if you'll deny yourself as number one, you'll actually find what real life is. Life in me. Your identity will not be in you. Your identity will be in me. What an amazing identity of that, of Christ Jesus, we have. And it's not just that our identity is in him, but all the, the inheritance that Christ is given by his Father is now treasured in us. And all the mind of Christ is now given to us. And all the presence of Christ is now granted to us by his Spirit. So no wonder, he says, you deny yourself and you elevate me. Let your identity be found in me. And then in the next verse, verse 26, he says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? In other words, earthly wealth is meaningless in eternity, so seeking it should come at immense risk of your soul. And Jesus says you ought to put that away. You ought to deny that and seek that wealth which is from me. The great riches of heaven that are shared with us in Christ Jesus. Not not pursuing that which is temporary that's going to burn away but pursue that which is eternally rich that will last forever and ever and then he says in the next verse about denying ourselves and following hard after him in verse 27 he talks about honor he said for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he's done so in other words live your life in a manner in which god himself will honor you throughout eternity So Moses is an an excellent example of someone who decidedly denies himself, his life, his wealth, and his honor. And he left the palace of life, wealth, and honor in order to pursue the covenant relationship with God and pursue the one who was connecting himself to the people of, of Israel, which was Christ Jesus himself. As Moses is connecting to the people of Israel in their, in their um, hindered way, in their very difficult life, as he's connecting to them, he is connecting to Christ because Christ had connected himself to those people. So save people purpose to deny themselves in life, wealth, and honor the fleshly cravings and desires of the sinful pleasures in order to pursue Christ. They purpose not to offend their Savior or grieve their spirit. Instead, Jesus is their highest affection of heart and they long to love him and to honor him and to experience that from him. Saved people do that. Now listen, saved people are not perfect, but that is their intent. I stand before you as a man who is far from perfect, but man, do I long to be. I long to have the righteousness of Christ demonstrated in every way of my life, in my thinking, in my words, and in my actions. And of course, that is the pursuit of Christ in us, 
As Paul said to the Galatian church and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's our drive, to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, not in step with the flesh. And saving faith moves us there. So we yearn for the Spirit to align our hearts with the heart of Jesus Christ so that we live in expressions of his righteousness. Now, we need to be reminded the way the gospel was first declared to us, simple two-word proclamation, repent and believe. This is the gospel being presented early on. When John the Baptist was making way for Christ, before Christ began his public ministry, you remember the words of John the Baptist, repent and believe. In fact, there he is in the waters of the Jordan River, and he's calling people out of Jerusalem to that wilderness experience, and he's calling them to repent, to change the way they think, to change the way they live, to let their life be very different. Repent and believe. And in preparation of that, they are coming into the waters and they are openly confessing their sins, repenting of them. They want life different. They want to live in the way of, of God, the will of God, the word of God. They want to put off anything that is contrary to God. And so they're confessing those sins openly to God and to their fellow believers. And then when Jesus comes to the scene, there in that wilderness, in that same river, he says much the same way. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the gospel is to repent and to believe. And the Lord is purposeful about that order. So therefore, faith starts with relinquishing the things that are not of God and embracing the things that are of God. This is what Moses is doing. He's letting go of everything that is not of God and he's clinging to what is of God even though it will cost him in a temporary setting. It will cost him significantly in this life. But he recognizes that that's God's call to saving faith, to repent, to relinquish those things that are not of God and to hold on and embrace those things which are of God and the order of release and embrace is a well-established order throughout the scripture. In fact, if you trail back to Amos, you hear these words, hate evil and love good. There's an order there. Hate those things which are evil and love those things that are good. Or over in Proverbs, confess and forsake transgressions and obtain mercy. Or here's one that you're probably more familiar with in the New Testament. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created in the likeness of God. So before we put on something new in Christ, we take off what is not of Christ. We take off the old and we put on the new. It's not something you and I can do on our own. It's what God has provided for us in Christ. Who but Christ can enable us to take off the old and put on the new? Who but Christ can make us new in him? And that's exercised in faith. So take this off and put this on. Listen, the hungry prodigal did not come to the feast of his father until he first left where the pods of the pigs were being served. 
He's walking away from one thing and he's coming to another. So he's forsaking the worldly pleasures of sin and he's embracing the godly way of his father. And this is the rhythm. This is the rhythm that Moses is helping us to understand and it's the rhythm throughout the scripture. So Moses' choice to give up palace life and to embrace God's covenant aligning himself with Christ who had aligned himself with the people of Israel is very helpful to us. It's a pathway of obedience that requires genuine faith. You can't do it on your own. I'm not whipping us into shape to put off the old and put on the new I'm encouraging us in faith trust God to provide a new way of life a new thinking and a way that you might forsake that which is of worldly pleasure and come to him in righteous living all right secondly saved people choose the eternal over the temporal what I kept coming to as I was Reviewing and rehearsing this text over and over this past week is, is this certainty. We are known by our choices. Moses is known by his choice, and that choice was to leave the palace and to live among the persecuted. And he is known by that. We identify him in that. And for many of all of us, we are known by our choices. So in every instance, we make the right choice when we renounce the sinful pleasures of this life and embrace the glories of heaven. If you want to know if you're making the right choice, the right choice is always, are you forsaking the pleasures of sin in order to walk in the glories of God's holiness? If you want to walk in the right way, choose the holy way of Christ in every instance. Even if making that decision brings temporary consequences that negatively impact us, righteousness is always the right choice. And man, ain't we ever going to need saving faith, genuine faith to make those right choices. Making righteous choices will cost us, no doubt, in possessions, in popularity, and in position. It did for Moses. However, Whenever we willingly relinquish the things here on earth, we will come to conclusion that that does not compare to the glories that God will share with us in heaven one day to come. In fact, he just outright says that. Matthew 19:29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, Jesus says, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. So making good eternal choices is critically important. Now we know when we are struggling to make the right choices, when the prospects of losing the sin is more disappointing than the prospect of losing fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We know we're struggling in that moment when we long for the sin more than we long for the fellowship with God. And I think this gives us opportunity to take a spiritual health checkup. Just to allow the Spirit of God to poke around in our heart about the sin that we cherish, the sin that we pleasure, more than the fellowship that we long 
to keep and have. What is it in your life? I can tell you with certainty the Spirit's conviction has been in my own life. Just thinking through that, which causes you more concern, losing worldly pleasure or displeasing the Christ who saved you? What, what provokes you? Are you more eager to satisfy your flesh or to satisfy your Lord? And when we're more eager to satisfy our flesh than our Lord, man, we are in the wrong decision direction. My friends, don't let our temporary flesh dictate the eternal consequences of our soul when we refuse to do what is right and accept what Christ has called us to live in. So Moses was willing to flee the palace to take up residence with the mistreated people of God and he chose affliction over affluence because he wanted to be with God's covenant people and he wanted to connect to Christ more than he desired to live in the ruler of the world's house. What a decision that was. Now we know obviously he made the right choice but I can imagine the struggle that his flesh was making in that decision. So number two, save people choose the eternal over the temporal. And then number three, the final thing that I wanted to point out to you, save people look to God's eternal reward. Save people look to God's eternal reward. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to a reward. Now, what would cause a man like Moses to make such a choice to leave life, wealth, and honor as the son of Pharaoh's daughter? The answer is one word, faith. That's what would make a man make that choice. It's not determination. It's not moral conviction. It's not pity for a certain people. There's only one thing that can make Moses be stirred to have that kind of decision and it's faith faith that is what is certain faith what is expected faith uh, that that is assurance of what is hoped for it's that kind of faith it's beyond looking at what is present beyond looking at what is promised in life wealth and honor and it's going into something else a greater hope and for Moses it was looking to Christ and the reward of Christ and he believed that the reward of Christ would be greater than what he was possessing in the Pharaoh's household that's faith he looked beyond his temporary existence which was incredibly good and he said oh there's something greater that's assurance of what it's hoped for that's faith so Moses had a a great conviction in this he believed that God's covenant for Abraham Isaac and Jacob that had been transferred to all of the descendants therein was coming and that and was being fulfilled and that God was providing a greater king through Abraham's descendants greater than Pharaoh and he would be the king who would provide generously for all the people of God. Therefore, he was willing to leave Pharaoh's house in order to walk with that king who would be coming in the future. Of course, Christ Jesus, our Lord. So faith causes us to look to the reward of Christ for obedient, righteous living and drop anything in the world that hinders the prize. 
if I were going to take one sentence and try to let that be lived out in the expression of my life, I'd circle that sentence right there and I'd say, oh God, give me faith that I might live in that way. That I would look to Christ the reward for obedient, righteous living and drop anything that is hindering that life. What's hindering that life in you? What's hindering it in us? Is it the entertainment? Is it the hobbies? Is it the relationship? Is it the chasing after? What is it that hinders this? And here's what Moses would say to us. You've got to get your eyes off that. And you've got to go beyond that to what is an eternal reward in Christ Jesus. And you're going to have to look to that with greater hope than what you now hold in your possession. You've got to be willing to walk away from the household of Pharaoh in order to live in the household of the Messiah. You've got to be willing to repent and believe. And that's exactly where Moses landed. And man, are we grateful that he did. Because not only did he reveal to us the nature of saving faith, but he demonstrated it in a way that you and I are challenged to seek Christ to that level as well. And the richest way in which we can live is right there in great saving faith. I think it would behoove us to pause every day and just ask at the conclusion of the day, did I live today in a manner that is worthy of Christ's reward? Did I live in a manner today that is worthy of Christ's reward? And what did I do or concentrate on that caused me to go to the right or to the left away from the reward of Christ? What is that? The people reading the letter of Hebrews was... They were really in a difficult place. They had made an eternal decision to follow Jesus Christ, and that cost them dearly in this temporary life. Upon trusting in Jesus and committing themselves to him, they committed themselves to a lifetime of suffering, and it required great faith. I'm not talking about simple, fickle faith where you just raise your hand and accept Jesus Christ ask him into your life no 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 they were making a critical decision to look beyond what is temporary to an eternal christ who would be worthy of serving as king of kings and lord of lords and willing to give up everything in order to have what he was offering to them eternal life with god and the inheritance of heaven the inheritance of god himself they were willing to give up everything for that and should I remind you that that's exactly what they did? In the moment of their reception of Christ as Lord and surrender to Him, and the moment that they stopped living in the temporary and started living in the eternal, those people became subject to the beatings and the humiliation and the imprisonment and even the consequence of death at the hands of the unbelieving around them both Jews and Romans. At the moment of their decision to trust in Jesus Christ, their family completely rejected them 
and put them out because they were followers of Christ. In the moment, they were taken out of the synagogue, very literally out of the front door, and beaten and excommunicated never to return. In the moment of their reception of Christ, they lost businesses and livelihoods. They were banished from their homes and towns, and they were forever wandering as refugees around the whole European area. Looking around, they saw suffering and affliction for all those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And they saw the prosperity among the Christ rejectors. And the writer knew that they needed encouragement in their saving faith. They needed, a, they needed an example of one who had been before them that made the price and paid the price. They needed somebody like a hero, Moses. And so the writer of Hebrews says, oh, let me remind you of Moses who left Pharaoh's household, rejected the title as the son of Pharaoh's daughter and all the life and wealth and honor that went with it because he was looking to a greater reward. He was looking to Christ. And so he calls their attention to that to help them to stay the course of faith to remind them that there is a greater promise and hope in Jesus than everything that you have lost. I think that day for reminder is here for us as well. The dividing line is as clear as I've ever seen it between those of faith and those without faith, those who walk in righteousness and those who don't walk in righteousness. The division is clear, and the antagonism is coming at an increasing level and it is for you and me to come to conclusion that we choose in faith to follow Christ, willing to give up everything in order to have him, to repent of all things in order to believe with confident faith in Christ and to receive all that he is offering to us in eternity. Peter gives us much of the same challenge that the writer of Hebrews does. I'll just remind you of this in his first epistle, epistle chapter 5. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Stay the course. Stay the course. But let me first challenge us. Start running the course. Start running the course with genuine saving faith. Come to Christ for his cleansing. Submit your will to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience. Repent of your sin and renounce what is contrary to the world. That's saving faith. That's not cheap faith. That's deep, abiding, saving faith that is evident in our daily living come to Christ I, I wish that I could recount all the people who have come to me and said oh pastor 
I was playing a game in church. I, I, I was looking just like everybody else. I, I could put on an appearance as if I had genuine faith, but I didn't have genuine faith. But then God, in his great mercy, spoke to them, challenged them, called them to repent and believe, to forsake all, to give of themselves their life, their wealth, their honor, to forsake it all, to deny it all in order to follow Christ. And boy, when they made that decision, life forever changed. They lived with joy and hope beyond what they had ever experienced. Some of you are in this room. You need to make that decision. You need to come to genuine faith. You say, well, I don't want people to think that I've been playing all this time. Well, you've been playing all this time. Okay. You're going to let that stand in the way of your eternal destiny? You're going to let that moment that you're experiencing awkwardness stand in the way of your soul? Come to genuine faith. Let today be the day of transforming faith. And for those of us who have transforming faith, let it be today we drive a stake in the ground that our faith is going to cause us to refuse what are the pleasures of sin. That we are going to choose the eternal over the temporal and that we are going to look to Christ rather than look to the things of this world. How? Because God is pouring out great faith. And we receive it and we appropriate it in our day-by-day life. And that will be a life that will live done to the glory of Jesus. And let's pause and pray. In this moment, Lord, there are some that you're speaking deeply in their heart, drawing to attention the need to be saved. And I pray, Lord, that they would be given in faith that you've allowed for them with great grace and mercy and that today would be a day like none others this would be a day of salvation their name written in the book of life linking with Jesus Christ the king forsaking denying all things that are not of him in order to have all things that are him and I pray that as they come to faith in Jesus you would allow this body to encourage them to love them to support them to pray for them and to walk by faith with them and lord in faith in saving faith we choose to forsake the pleasures of sin we refuse those things that are not of you in order to pursue your will and we look to christ the author and the finisher of our faith to his name and glory we pray, amen. Would you stand with me? So we begin to turn our eyes to Christ, looking to his wondrous grace. I'm going to ask you who are making decisions for Christ today just to step forward. I'll have some guys standing down front ready to pray with you and encourage you as you're making those decisions. There might be a number of you who just want to settle right here at the steps of this platform. Just you and God, you're driving that stake down saying, Oh Lord, I've heard you speak to my heart today. And I want to acknowledge your voice and I want to walk in faith 
in obedience to you. We pray that this will be a day that will mark the rest of your life and all eternity. Let us come and encourage you as we walk together in faith in Christ. You come as Christ is leading and you're responding. Come in faith to him. Stepping out into the aisleway, moving forward to Christ, not putting it off, not holding back, trusting Him, walking towards Him, guided by His Spirit. text and hearing the Spirit's conviction in your own life, you're wondering, how do I walk away from those sinful pleasures that have been long in my life? I'll tell you the way Moses did it. He put his eyes to his God. He put his eyes to his Savior, to Christ, to the one who is connecting to his people, to the one who is bringing about the covenant, the new covenant that Moses was certain would come about. He put his eyes to him. And when he put his eyes to him, he was able to walk away from those fleeting pleasures of the palace. It's the same way for us. Be careful not to think, oh, I've got to get this over with in my life. I've got to walk away from this sin or that sin or I've got to stop doing this or I've got to start doing that. No, no, it starts with putting your eyes to Jesus. Putting your heart to his word putting your hope in Christ. And when you're focused on Him, you'll find it's much easier to turn, repent away from those things that are not of Him. 
I pray the Lord will give us confidence to do that. Now, in your handout, there's lots of information in, in there that I want to call your attention to, but you're just reading through that. This is so regular to us that maybe you just let it pass by, but this is the lifeline for us in getting information to you on Sundays and also your app. There's lots of great information on the Meadowbrook Church app, so pay attention to those things, and, and uh, I think we'll have great ministry in the days ahead as we engage in those now life group is coming up if you've yet to connect to a life group stop by the guest connection area it's in the the main entryway just stop by there and tell them today's the day you want to go to life group and here's what will happen they'll they'll help you get connected to somebody introduce you to some new friends get you settled in that life group and make that really smooth so give us the opportunity to spend the next hour together encouraging each other in prayer and fellowship in God's word now, Lord, as we leave this place, we do so with your grace. And what a treasure that is. We go so for those who have faith in you with your presence. And we ask that you give us great sight, great choice, and great grace. In Jesus' name, amen.